You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Well, Jum'ah Mubarak. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, it's time for Business Matters. I'm your host, Alameen Templeton. Trying to take you through the mindful, minefields and the pitfalls, uh, the deserts and uh, the jungles, concrete or otherwise, that constitute the business world, both here in South Africa and everywhere else. If it's business, then it's our business. Well, uh, it's, uh, it's Juma, Alhamdulillah. Juma has arrived, the best day of the week, in fact, the best day of the year, equal to two Eids. And Allah Ta'ala gives this to us every week. You know, I've, I've heard some Muslims saying, oh, we, don't have, we, we don't have one Christmas, we have two Eids every year. Oh, you brag about your Eids, well, your Juma is even more. Huh? We have 52 Jumas, and that's equal to two Eids. So if, uh, that's equal to, uh, uh, that's 104. Huh? That's 104 equivalent Christmases a year that we have every year. Ah, doesn't Christmas is just nonsense. It doesn't come close. It's a, well, so it's, it's, it's a throwback to a Roman pagan festival of Lupercalia or something like that. Uh, won't go into the details too much, but uh, yeah, yeah. There's no comparison between Christmas and uh, yeah, even even an ordinary Muslim's day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. Well, Juma is with us. I hope you did your hundred duruds after your maghrib. Remember, this is a fantastic night to make Darud. Uh, if you've got any extra time, you find yourself sitting around doing nothing, well, don't do nothing. Make Darud. Uh, there's fantastic rewards for it. And uh, it is just so easy. Also, of course, there's that special Darud you can make this night. Uh, and that is Aloma Soli Al Muhammad Wala Ali Alf Alf Mera. And uh, if you say that 1,000 times tonight, Allah Ta'ala guarantees that you will see your abode in Jannah before you die, which is a great blessing uh, because it allows you to get all of your affairs in order, uh, ensures that uh, death doesn't come to you as a big surprise and a big shock. You get all your affairs in order, you're able to make all your farewells, you get all of your economic affairs settled, all of your debt settled, <clears throat> and inshallah, uh, yeah, that's it. Really, is a major blessing. Uh, then, of course, there's also uh, tomorrow after Asr, deal of a lifetime, my friends. Hmm? After Asr, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad bi wala ali wasallim taslima. Just say that just eighty times, and you get the reward of eighty years accepted ibadah. The angels, inshallah, will grow tired writing forgiveness for you for eighty years. The angels will grow tired writing good deeds for you for eighty years. Mm-hmm. Now that's a kind of return you're not going to get on the JSE. You're not going to be able to get that kind of uh, ratio in terms of effort and reward anywhere in this dunya. So if you uh, reckon that you're a smart businessman, there's a kind of deal you cannot say no to. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, coming up in our show, we've got Royal Causa, Dr. Royal Causa, taking over as a PNC chair. Uh, definitely uh, has got a very strong business pedigree. Uh, and, um, well, as long as he's independent, uh, I, I would say as, as independent as Dan Machila has been. 
uh, I must say he's come out uh, a lot better than uh, you would have you would have thought so from reading Business Day um, uh, stories in the lead up to this whole uh, state capturing or rather the PIC inquiry. Uh, you would have thought that it would have turned out to be a rogue, but he's, he, he struck me as been he struck me as being forthright. He struck me as being a good leader. He has uh, struck me as being a man who's tried to maintain uh, the middle path, um, and um, he hasn't he, he hasn't backed down or been flustered by any of the questioning questions, most particularly regarding independent newspapers, Io and Dr. Iqbal Serv. Doesn't seem to have any like kind of like special relationship uh, with the independent newspaper owner. Uh, his IO transaction has actually turned out to be quite a profitable one from all accounts of what, what I've been uh, been able to pick up from the PIC. I mean, yeah, um, I'm not like you lucky guys, you know. Uh, if you find yourself a bit of time during the afternoon and you can just like plug into that state capture inquiry and really get your head around some of the issues. Um, I have to keep on dipping in and out of everything, you know, kind of like um, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, but as you you know, you do pick up things when you do that on a daily basis. Every single day, you're you're, you're dipping in and out, dipping in and out, and uh, you know, old issues uh, become more like old friends than anything else. Uh, and I don't know. Get me wrong. Maybe you disagree with me. If you do, you can give us a call. We can share our views. Uh, Dan Majila strikes me as being an, an honest guy in, uh, in, at the head of the PIC. If he has been removed, it's because he hasn't wanted to go and just hand out pensioners' money to any uh, crook walking uh, in, in over off the street or perhaps calling from um, uh, Tonys or somewhere else like that, you know. He struck me as being the, the 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 reason why he was taken out. He came under considerable pressure last year because he wasn't willing to roll over and uh, and approve some deals that other people wanted him to do. He wanted that struck me. Well, you know, he's presenting himself in this way. I haven't seen many cracks in his armor. I mean, uh, he's he's uh, he's withstood uh, a far more intensive grilling than anything Jacob Zuma uh, was facing. He hasn't made any of the kind of excuses that Jacob Zuma was making. He hasn't needed the protection and the constant intervention of his legal counsel. And I mean, uh, you compare his testimony to uh, Robert Mueller in uh, in Washington. Uh, Mueller speaking about uh, his investigations into Russian meddling in the U.S. 2016 election. Huh? Doesn't that just strike you as being uh, something completely out of Looney Tunes capital? Hmm? Um, there, you, you know, I, I put that whole kind of Russian uh, investigation into Donald Trump as being... Uh, the mere fact that, um, what was the name, uh, that Clinton woman, um, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Um, I'm, I'm actually glad Donald Trump uh, got in. One, because he's, uh, you know, that kind of like nice boy image that uh, Obama presented to the world. Uh, while at the same time continue, continuing a murder and absolute destruction, rape and pillage everywhere which is uh, the common theme of, of American international politics nowadays. Uh, you know, Obama was able to put in that kind of like nice face. No, actually, maybe, maybe the United States actually is a democracy. You know, people started asking. It's clearly not. I mean, it's a democracy at home, but it's a complete and utter basket case disaster for the rest of the world, most especially the rest of the world's economy, anywhere outside the borders of the United States. 
So I was, uh, in, in fact, uh, during George W. Bush's uh, presidency, um, I said that I actually did fear that once uh, Dubia uh, took his departure, he would be replaced by somebody who's now going to come along and say, no, us Americans are nice, you know, get that nice huggable figure. And boy, was Obama a, a complete contrast uh, to Dubia. Uh, but of course, it was only cosmetic. That's the way I see it. I don't think, uh, I don't really see much difference between uh, Obama and Bush. And, uh, you know, um, Trump really has been a big difference. But, I mean, you know, it's an oafish difference. Uh, he is an oaf. Uh, and there's no doubt about it. But in a way, in some ways, America kind of believes that it can afford an oaf at the home. You know, um, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, the president who took America into the world of empire when uh, he took America into war against Spain at the turn of the uh, 1900s, um, went and took over Manila, you know, took over Spain's uh, foreign colonies. And, uh, yeah, that's what saw uh, America entering into the Philippines and getting into a major confrontation with Japan in the Pacific. Uh, It was indirectly or maybe even directly led to Pearl Harbor, made it almost an inevitability. Now, that was Teddy Roosevelt. But uh, anyway, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, he, uh, he believed in projection of might, uh, but he didn't believe in loose talk. Like, you know, a schoolboy bully kind of talk, like uh, George Bush uh, was an expert at that. Or he, didn't, uh, he didn't believe in braggadocio, uh, which is like uh, Donald Trump's speciality. Uh, his, his, his mantra regarding international relations was, uh, walk softly and carry a big stick. You know, I mean, if you are the biggest cheese uh, in the shop, there's no need for you to shout. It's uh, it's just an obvious statement. Uh, and the, the louder and more strident the America becomes in terms of its international relations, for me, that is really a measure of a growing American weakness. The louder it screams, the weaker it's becoming. Uh, the biggest guy in the playground doesn't need to scream. He doesn't need to say anything. He simply needs to turn up. For America, that is no longer the case. Uh, and uh, I would say, you know, most especially under Donald Trump, America has increasingly um, emerged as a, as a wildcat um, spoiler, as a um, <clears throat> negotiating partner or, uh, that is just not trustworthy. You cannot rely on it. It will turn around and it will turn against you. You'll be ally one day and you'll be enemy the next. Very much like uh, the breakup of Rome, the breakup of Byzantium. Uh, the Eastern Roman Empire, very similar kind of things. Byzantine complexity kind of like refers to the international relations of the Byzantine Empire as uh, as it went into decline. And of course, it was also chopping and changing, making allies here, betraying allies there. And this is what the United States is doing now as well. So in many ways, when you tie, uh, when you tie your uh, wagon to the destiny of the United States, uh, I suppose, in a way, it's a bit like um, a bit like uh, trying to follow a straight line on on a putt putt course. You know, you have to you have to take account of of the swings and the bumps and the the strange little obstacles and the the bizarre oddities that are going to come your way. You know, it's not a normal golf game, and that is American politics today.
Uh, it strikes me anyway. Uh, so, yeah, uh, coming up in the show, Royal Causa taking over PICS chair. Uh, producers see lower inflation. Escom bailout bad for South Africa's rating outlook, says Moody's. Vodacom battles data prices in a sluggish economy in South Africa. The the uh, independent power producers office gets a new head from the Development Bank of South Africa. Spoke about that last night. Um, the, the head was suddenly uh, just told, no, we're not going to uh, renew your contract. And you must vacate your office just like that. Uh, sparking uh, many fears that basically we've seen a kind of like a, uh, a state capture delayed operation uh, in front of our eyes. Uh, but it looks as though they've got a competent person coming in. Uh, still no explanations uh, for the sudden change. Uh, Pioneer uh, Foods uh, says they're confident the Pepsi takeover is not going to be um, competition busting or got competition of you know, give competitions any need for alarm. Momentum has bought Alexander Forbes Insurance. Uh, South African intelligence services say they're not scared of 5G and Huawei. Homeowners battling mortgage arrears get good news from the latest interest rate deduction. Now, this is uh, an excellent article by Kieran Ryan, uh, writing for MoneyWeb. Is uh, kind of like, you know, standing out for me anyway among um, business writers today as somebody who's, uh, who is kind of like shaking the cage. Um, it's not necessarily uh, good for your for your career, you know, your long term prospects in your career. Um, I found that uh, being uh, being a shaker up in the business uh, journalism uh, environment, um, you know, uh, your editor will allow you to go so far and no further. And when you insist on pushing further, that's when you start like crossing red lines and uh, you start asking yourself, am I busy with journalism or am I doing public relations here? But Kiaran Ryan, he's he's doing a really great job out there. Good for him. And he's written this article uh, saying homeowners battling mortgage arrears get good news from the latest interest rate deduction. Basically, uh, building on uh, precedent set overseas uh, where um, the courts are saying – Banking banks are able to, for instance, cluster a whole lot of mortgages together and get a big interest rate out of that. And when they do that, it wipes out that the it wipes out the arrears uh, that many homeowners uh, find themselves in as a result of falling into default. Uh, and th- there are many ways in which the banks can uh, can juggle their mortgages and and their their, their debts. Uh, in order to avoid the losses that uh, come about as a result of uh, homeowners running into financial distress and then missing a few payments. Uh, in South Africa, this has now been taken up. Uh, it's been argued before the courts at the moment that with the 0.25 interest rate reduction in the repo rate uh, announced just last week, uh, that means that uh, when the banks... Um, um, calculate uh, their mortgage repayment lines, many, many mortgage defaulters are now actually above the line rather than being the below the line because of the interest rate deduction. And uh, that means that they're in actual fact not behind on their, on their um, mortgage repayments. And as such, uh, the extra interest that the banks uh, inevitably find themselves charging you uh, could also argue that's illegal, but uh, but nevertheless, this court case looking at the fact that uh, the way interest rates work, uh, 
the way they can be managed, the way they can be accumulated together, put into one basket, means that uh, if you've fallen into arrears and the banks are prosecuting you for that and charging you a higher interest rate on all of these kinds of things, then that is illegal. It's been called double dipping. It means they're charging you twice for the same good, and that's illegal. So now this case is coming before South Africa's courts as well, and as I say, good for Kiara and Ryan for picking up on that issue. Uh, construction firms are battling a major downturn in South Africa. We'll look at the, at the misery in the building sector. And uh, Samsung uh, to begin Galaxy Fold sales in September. Astral and the Lekba water shortage, and much more if we have time. And when do we have time? We never get through these lists, do we? But nevertheless, I suppose in some ways it's also a good heads up for you in terms of uh, these are issues in the business environment. <clears throat> Alamine Templeton doesn't have time to get through it because he's got such a big mouth. He just starts talking and talking and talking, and then he doesn't shut up. <clears throat> hmm. Sounds a bit like my wife. Anyway, no, 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 no. I have a very lovely wife. No, there's nothing. No, my wife is lovely. She's lovely and she's the best cook in the world. Yes, she is. She is. And she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you never know when she's going to listen. I, I, I keep on, uh, you know, I'm here in the studio and I kind of like suspecting that that Glow TV is on and they got that that air sheet and that Raman Bala and they on and there's that Bye, 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 yeah, barakate, no mahabate, yeah, barakate. Yeah, here is the baraka. Yeah, if you want to get the baraka, you're going to tune into this show. Get that Modak decoder working. Come on, insist on it. Well, what, you've got the decoder in the one room, you've got the other one in the other room, and people are watching are watching one thing and you're listening to another thing. Ah, come on, you've got to establish yourself in your household. Stand up to Eshita Bala. <laughs> oh, yeah, it can get very heated, these issues, can't they? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Okay, well, we'll quickly go for a tail of the tape in as much as uh, the Janusburg Stock Exchange is a measure of South Africa's economy. So many times it's not a measure of South Africa's economy. Maybe it's a measure of the economy in um, in uh, Santon and Clifton. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, most people uh, spend the vast majority of their lives in South Africa completely unaware and unconcerned about what's going on on the JSE. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, it's one of those uh, red-letter days for us on the JSE today. 57,662.89 is the all-share index, losing 0.10%. Slightly down off yesterday. It's kind of more like um, <clears throat> a mark in time than anything else. There was the announcement that, yeah, okay, trade talks are going to resume at the end of the month. Well, good news, yay, yay. And, uh, and so, you know... <clears throat> That means risk has been taken out of the markets and da 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 da. People kind of like they turned away from emerging markets or turned towards emerging markets. Uh, Moody's coming out with their statement saying that the, the latest ESCOM bailout is in actual fact not good for South Africa's rating uh, outlook. Uh, may in actual fact also be a reason for uh, the downturn on the JSE, also a downturn in the RAND's fortunes. Second day in a row, we've been losing ground against the major currencies, although it's kind of like a marginal uh, loss today. As I say, it's more like uh, people taking stock of, uh, of announcements uh, happening yesterday. Uh, we had a fairly good producer uh, price um, uh, news out, which may have kind of ameliorated matters a little a little today and um yeah the markets 
the market's kind of like a, a, taking a wait and see look as um, Moody's warns about those, those ESCOM risks. Yeah, I see the um, the wire service are also saying that Moody's is kind of looking bad for South Africa. <clears throat> Room for to manoeuvre is extremely constrained, says Moody's, uh, making Iran the worst performing emerging market currency against the dollar and government bond yields. Um, I, I would say that that is a, a genuine currency call coming out on the side of Bloomberg and, and Reuters today. Uh, but as I say, you know, uh, these are not uh, journalism outlets. They, they are currency trading platforms, Bloomberg and Reuters. They're not journalism outlets. They just kind of like disguise themselves as journalism outlets, you know. Um, it's a bit like, uh, you know, uh, the shop in the corner. <clears throat> it sells all kinds of things. And you can go and you can say, well, uh, yeah, what is this buzzer shop in the corner? Is it, uh, <clears throat> is it a fruit seller? Uh, is, it, uh, is it a reseller of, uh, of cell phone <clears throat> data and airtime? Or, is it, uh, or, do, or do they sell sweets? Or do they sell bread and milk? What is the, the, the focus of their business? And they'll tell you, no, what we really sell is convenience. You know, we're in the business of convenience. You can get all of these things at a lower price if you take a, a five or ten minute walk to the shops or a two minute drive. Um, but you don't want to undergo that uh, inconvenience. You're having breakfast, you've run out of milk. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you're still in your pajamas and you don't want to, you don't want to get into the car and, and, and drive to the shop and have to change and do all of these kind of things. Just get your, your, um, liter of milk at a lower price than what you can get it on the corner. So you forgo the, uh, the price advantage for convenience. So, so really what you're buying when you go to a convenience store is convenience. <clears throat> So much the same way, you know, um, you might you you might be misled by the appearance, and so uh, Reuters and Bloomberg they appear to be journalism outlets, but in actual fact they're not. They um, they currency trading platforms, and in in fact they're kind of like chatter, they're kind of like um, the the discourse, you could say, the mainstream narrative uh, behind uh, currency price movements in the world uh, could not occur without Reuters and Bloomberg. Reuters and Bloomberg basically established the mainstream narrative according to which currencies then move. And of course, the people that make the narrative are currency dealers themselves, the very human currency dealers that have got very vested interests in terms of where they would like to see the currencies going. And so when your biggest dealers in currencies in South Africa are miners and bankers, uh, and uh, the biggest dealers in currencies dealing with South African currency dealers are commodity buyers uh, and bankers, well, then, you know, it's almost inevitable that you're going to get a kind of collusion happening but now seriously there shouldn't be any kind of like collusion they should be looking at the prices on uh, on the currency markets and, and making a deal but instead they're not just doing that they're also talking to each other on the instant instant messaging services that bloomberg and reuters have so uh you know the the, the capacity for manipulation is there the technology for manipulation is there but nevertheless we are supposed to believe that the narrative that emerges the official narrative as expressed by Reuters and Bloomberg is in actual fact a logical one. 
it, it, it is in actual fact related to real issues in the market. But obviously, uh, they're not. And, uh, and, and they never could be. And as long as Reuters and uh, Bloomberg's primary business is currency exchange, it is fallacious and misleading, if not downright fraudulent, for them to claim to be journalists. But of course, you know, it's up to other journalists to point this out, you know. Uh, Reuters and Bloomberg are never going to step up and say, yeah, no, oh, well, in actual fact, you know. <laughs> you know that stuff you've been reading? Complete propaganda. It's, 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 it's public relations bump. Um, it's, uh, it's weaponized currency trading. Uh, we are in actual fact trying to destroy your economies. Uh, you know, economic hitmen, um, they've expanded, uh, their, their, their operations from, uh, fund managers and bankers all the way into the journalism profession. Well, we can't call it a profession anymore. Well, I suppose, you know, prostitution is also seen as the oldest profession, so... Yeah, in as much as there is a profession going on at Reuters and Bloomberg, it's more like prostitution than it is press. Mm. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, major trades happening uh, on the on the JSC into negative territory on the back foot. Uh, feel good factors uh, fading everywhere we look. Um, Moody says. You chuck more money at ESCOM. We've got to chuck money at ESCOM. We've got to keep mines working. We've got to keep the lights on. It's winter time. Uh, all of these issues have turned into a major political issue. Um, and uh, it really is not looking good for the country. But there you go. It's the reality on the ground. So anyway, Royal Causa uh, taking over as interim chairperson of the Public Investment Corporation. He describes himself as a thought leader, businessman, and an Africanist, a public speaker, and a lyricist. He writes words for music. As, uh, apparently his brother has uh, written a whole lot of like, choral pieces, I think uh, Christian gospel kind of singing. He's written the music for it, and Royal is now kind of like uh, applying himself to, to writing the words to it. Well, I'm afraid he's had his composing days interrupted. Seems as though he's on a bit of like a sort of a semi-retirement. Uh, he's, he's got a very, very strong uh, th um, uh, thoroughbred uh, history uh, with, the, uh, with the corporate sector, uh, in as much as that can be seen as being thoroughbred. But nevertheless, you know, he's going to be taking over 2.2 trillion rands worth of pension monies. He's going to have to, you know... Investment on behalf of the government employees pension fund, government employees pension fund saying, well, you know, I'm uh, looking at Dan Machili. We now start to look at maybe we can find other fund managers to manage some of our funds for us in order to diversify our risk in order to give some more pensions money away to some of our buddies. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, is that alarmist? Is that unnecessary? For me to point out, or would I be criminally negligent in terms of, say, in as much as I may be a journalist or not, you know, uh, in terms of my public speaking responsibilities, if I did not point out that there's a serious risk judging by other government deals that in actual fact the government employee pension fund is speaking about funding uh, other fund managers not not like getting rid of the PIC but uh, taking some of their money and giving it to other fund managers 
if I didn't say, well, uh, there's a serious danger that in actual fact a whole lot of uh, pensions money is going to be given over to uh, incompetent rascals who have no intention of doing anything else with the money other than spending it on themselves, their mistresses. Uh, it would be, I'd, I'd, I believe, uh, it, it would be a miss of me if I did not mention that that is in actual fact also a very real possibility, this being South Africa today. Uh, nevertheless, as I say, Cosa uh, is coming from a serious mainstream street, uh, previous, previously served as board chairman of the Nedbank Group, hmm? yeah, as Globilec and GlaxoSmithKline, uh, the pharmaceutical company. He was also the chair of ESCOM when it went into that first dark period. He was the chairman between 1997 and 2002. He did get out, uh, however, before it really got bad. He's held directorships at the JSE, IBM South Africa, Liberty Life, uh, Standard Bank, NAMPAC, and Old Mutual, among others. He was also uh, president of the Institute of Directors of South Africa, DASA, as it's known. Uh, he's got his own uh, investment holding company, Zana Investments and AKA Capital. Uh, he's also helped develop the King Codes in terms of uh, corporate governance, uh, pretending that in actual fact uh, uh, big corporations are interested in, in openness and accountability. According to uh, his website, he's got a master's degree in marketing management. That's from the University of Lancaster and an engineering doctorate in business leadership from Warwick University, both in the UK. He's uh, been awarded honorary doctorates in law from Rhodes, uh, economics from the University of the Free State, also an emeritus professor extraordinaire from the University of Stellenbosch Business School. Uh, he's lectured on business strategy, leadership, and corporate governance. He's a visiting professor at Rhodes Business School. Oh, I didn't know Rhodes had a business school, and I went to Rhodes. Well, there you go. Uh, interesting. Mm. Uh, University of Free State Business School and Witz Business School, also Chancellor University of Limpopo. And uh, so, yeah, he's taken over as chairman of the PIC. Uh, we've got to go for uh, a little bit of a late commercial break. Uh, a word from our sponsors. Inshallah, we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah Wal Assalamu alaikum, welcome back. Remember, if you want to call in, share your views. Our telephone number here in Linnaeus is 010-001-004. Too quick for you. 010-001-004. You're trying to make things easier and I mess things up. Sorry about that. Okay, um, or you can uh, WhatsApp us uh, your feelings and thoughts on 084-786-3132. 084-786-3132. Don't be shy. And we'll be kind, I promise. Won't be rude. Uh, so if you've got something you want to talk about, give us a call. Uh, and there are plenty of things going around, especially uh, seeing as Stats South Africa announced today that the annual, annual producer price index for June was 5.8%. That's down from 6.4% in May. Um, although not the biggest contributor to inflation, the electricity and water prices increased by 9.3%. Uh, in June, uh, compared to 9.8% in May. So it actually went slightly down, but still, that's, uh, that's uh, above inflation. It's contributing uh, to overall inflation. Uh, the increase, uh, the index increased by 32.6% month on month. Electricity increases contributed the most to the change. 
<clears throat> Main contributors were coke, petroleum, chemical, rubber, and plastic products. Um, <clears throat> prices for intermediate manufactured goods increased by 4.5%. Uh, prices in mining increased 14.6%, um, mainly on increases in gold and uh, platinum prices uh, and other metals also increasing, uh, so that, that adding to the index. Ratings agency Moody's, Moody's says uh, the government proposal to chuck more money at ESCOM, uh, Tito Moweni said uh, this week uh, in the appropriations discussion to par- before Parliament that he wants to give ESCOM an extra 59 billion rands, uh, you know, and g- keep on going on making assurances that there's no blank checks and all of these kind of things. But, of course, uh, these look very much like blank checks because it doesn't look as much as happened at ESCOM uh, since they made their promises in, in, uh, in March. And uh, now more money has been thrown at ESCOM. We haven't, don't even have our restructuring officer appointed yet, and already ESCOM has got more money. Uh, in, the, in the meantime, the chief executive has departed, and uh, Pravin Gordon is basically sort of the, the man at the helm by some, uh, by some accounts. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, more money being thrown at, uh, at, at uh, our power producer, uh, says Moody's, uh, the additional support to ease the company's financial pressures would be credit negative for South Africa. It says in the absence of a clear turnaround plan for the utility, there's a risk more support will be needed. In a worst-case scenario where none of the additional support is compensated for, Moody says it expects South Africa's fiscal deficit to widen to 5.7% of GDP in this year and 5.6% in 2020. That's up from current predictions of 5.2% and 5% respectively. Um, however, it says the government could take additional revenue or spending measures in the next mid-year budget statement expected in October. Hopefully, um, <clears throat> there may be some kind of last-minute fiddling that will cause uh, Moody's not to downgrade us to junk. Of course, Fitch and Standard & Poor's have already got us there and have had us there for nearly two years, I think. Vodacom says sales growth uh, in South Africa has slowed. Uh, that's due to uh, tougher data price regulations. Good. Stick it to them. And a sluggish economy in South Africa. Service revenue gained 3.9% in the three months through June, compared to 5.2% a year earlier. Subscriber numbers rose by 1.2 million to 79 million. Um, so, of course, that's not just in South Africa, because we're going to go around about 50 million people in the country. Uh, Vodacom's international business growth offset a decline in South Africa. Management is looking to expand its international footprint by entering Ethiopia. Uh, one problematic area is the DRC, which has threatened to withdraw the carrier's 2G license over a dispute of how it was awarded. Mm, they're still on 2G there. We're talking about 5G here in South Africa. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, we, we've spoken about these things. It's almost like, uh, you know, our carriers are waiting for us to introduce 5G so that they can start giving us 4G prices. That's my kind of feeling of what's going on. Uh, they're wanting uh, a wider bandwidth. They want to take over our, our television frequencies. Uh, one of the reasons why the SABC is moving to digitalization. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the thing is, 
I don't like having a British company having so much control over our telecommunications. I really think that it is an intelligent security risk. In fact, you know what? I think our intelligence service should, know, should rather be investigating Vodacom and security breaches as well as uh, its close relationship with the British uh, intelligence services like MI6 and MI5. You know, uh, the, these are intelligence agencies that have come to South Africa and have kidnapped Muslims out of the country, taken them to other countries and murdered them. Uh, I can't recall a single case of a Chinese intelligence being involved in that. And, you know, just in the interest of, of balance and fairness, uh, taking that international intelligence agencies, uh, most particularly in the UK, are having such a close look at Huawei. Well, then, you know, I really think we need to take a look at, at, at uh, you know, any of these countries that are expressing such a concern about Huawei. They obviously know about the dirty tricks that intelligence services get up to. And uh, it means, in many ways, you see, it's a, it's a bit like psychologists will tell you that you analyze other people and their psyches according to the way you understand yourself, you know. Uh, so, in actual fact, much of your uh, opinions expressed about other people are, in actual fact, a self-analysis. As in actual fact, a self-analysis. You know, when you're criticizing somebody for something and you're, and you're feeling really like sort of strongly about it, in actual fact, what is happening is your subconsciousness is battling with something and it is now expressing uh, these tensions in terms of how you're seeing other people. So that being the case, you know, um, you know, seen as intelligence uh, agencies are made up of very fallible human beings, it strikes me, you know, that you, like, like United States, no one eavesdrops on other countries' leaders as much as the United States does, with an expectation that it will be allowed to continue doing so. You know, like Angela Merkel um, a few years ago. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just like dangerous people. It's like the key allies and so on. The United States has got to microscope up some of their most uh, sensitive parts just in order to be able to tell what they're having for lunch today. Uh, for no other reason other than they nosy and they're always ticking their business into other people's business where it doesn't belong. So that being the case, you know, uh, I would say that uh, Vodacom is probably one of the dodgier kind of like foreign companies here in South Africa. And uh, given that it's uh, a major British company with such close links to the British government, and given that the British government has been caught here in South Africa kidnapping and murdering uh, uh, South African citizens, you know, it's, uh, it's like the Skripals. You know, the, the Skripals aren't even dead. With Saul Memon, he was kidnapped out of South Africa by these guys, and he ended up, uh, after five years of disappearance, uh, Guantanamo Bay and then handed over to ISI in Pakistan under Pervez Musharraf, who, bra who bragged at one stage he had earned 250 million uh, US dollars for the Pakistan economy by participating in renditions and torture and murder on behalf of the CIA. Um, yeah, yeah, Pervez Musharraf. When Saud Memon eventually reappeared on the public domain, uh, he weighed less than 30 kilograms. Uh, as is a fully grown man, he weighed less than fully. Um, he weighed less than thirty kilograms. He'd been dumped onto a rubbish heap uh, near his family home in um, what's that? Uh, that um, uh, Pakistani port on the on the uh, northwest corner of Pakistan, uh, Karachi. Uh, his family home in Karachi. 
Uh, he weighed less than uh, 30 kilograms. He'd basically been tortured and starved to death. That's why he weighed so little. They hadn't been feeding him, even giving him water. He was so dehydrated and so starved uh, that he uh, no longer even knew who he was. He couldn't recognize other people. He couldn't talk properly. Uh, when, uh, when he appeared in court uh, before, uh, who, who was that Pakistani judge hmm? uh, who stood up to Musharraf? His name is uh, slipping me at the moment. What, is, what a pity. Uh, when he appeared before a court uh, looking into uh, the illegal murder and torture of uh, people by the Pakistani government in Pakistan, Pakistani court, um, he didn't appear as a witness. He actually appeared as an exhibit. You know, uh, he, he, he couldn't talk. He, he couldn't speak. He didn't know who he was. He was like really sliding into death. In, may, in, in fact, he may have also already have been in Sakrat. He may already have been in Sakrat when he was taken to court. Uh, and he was presented as an exhibit because it was almost like this is no longer a human being. We come into court with a corpse. This is a corpse. He's about to die. This is what our security forces did to Saud Memon. Uh, so, you know, uh, given uh, Theresa May's uh, strident uh, accusations against uh, Vladimir Putin over the uh, scruples, mysterious kind of poisoning, you know, all of the dodgy aspects about that case as to whether it or not it happened or not, you know, there's a, a lot of debate that you can get into. But one thing about Saad Memon, no, there's no debate. No, there's no debate. So, you know, if the British government kind of like gets up to these kind of things in South Africa, then you know that the British government is very dodgy. And that being the case, uh, I would like to see our intelligence services focusing a lot more on Vodacom, investigating its business practices, uh, investigating all kinds of things like its technology. They should be taking a fine tooth comb to every single Vodacom tower in South Africa to see exactly what kind of technology they've loaded onto it. To what extent is their network coverage as extensive as they claim? Everything, anything about Vodacom, I would want to know. If I was in the intelligence services in South Africa, because of Vodacom's close connection with the British government, you know, I would insist that it, uh, it, it really has to be closely watched. Because, of course, you know, the British government is a murderous one. And... Uh, you know, it has no compunction or hesitation in killing Muslims. And that being the case, you know, in terms of protecting uh, the people in South Africa, I think our, our government actually owes it to us to start clamping down on Vodacom. Much like, uh, you know, the British government has been taking a, a very strong magnifying glass to Huawei. It's not like Vodacom is like the biggest uh, cell phone maker in the world. It's not like Vodacom has got any kind of like proprietary technology. It's a bit like Richard Branson, you know, has uh, come and uh, following on the coattails of the banking industry in South Africa. When he, vert when he brought uh, Virgin uh, Credit to South Africa, he issued something like 250,000 uh, credit cards in, in a matter of months without any doing any due diligence or anything like that, uh, throwing people into irresponsible debt and, uh, you know, just to make a quick buck. 
so yeah, a Vodacom is a bit like that. And we don't want it destabilizing British business practices here in Africa. Uh, and I really think that our government should be uh, taking a look at this very dangerous company. You know, uh, you know, if Huawei is a dangerous company, <clears throat> then Vodacom, with its close ties to the murderous British, murderous British government, in actual fact, really, really needs to have a close look. And I mean, uh, th- that being the case, now I'm really starting to like see British uh, under, under every carpet here. Um, no. Okay. Oh, very well, Alameen. We'll just give it a miss. Okay, thank you very much. I'm, I'm <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm not really being serious about Vodacom. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't really believe it's as bad as it is. But uh, I, I do also hold the possibility in the back of my mind that it could be in actual fact worse, simply because it is a British company. You know, <clears throat> what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I mean, if the British uh, want to uh, become an international policeman and detain tankers on the port of Gibraltar and then start squealing when one of their tankers gets taken. No, if the British, you know, if they want to be the international policeman, well, then, you know, you have to hold the international policeman accountable. You know, that's all, you know, civilian oversight and all of that kind of stuff. That being the case, I think we really should start uh, taking... Um, you know, a, a step back, taking a deep breath, and having a look at all these British companies that are working here in South Africa. A good look at a banking sector would be a good place to start, you know, once we finish with Vodacom. But anyway, there you go. Why don't we trade vo- treat Vodacom like uh, Huawei has been treated in Britain? That's the way we should be treating Vodacom. <laughs> Vodacom thinks they've got problems now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, Advocate Sandra Kutsia is now the acting head of the Independent Power Producers Office. You know, that's following the room removal of Karin Breitenbach, who was the former boss. Karin Breitenbach did admit to herself that, uh, you know, in terms of uh, it, is, it, it is a political office. It does have political implications, especially with all state caps and all of these kind of things. ESCOM being so closely related and allied to ESCOM. Uh, Breitenbach did say, look, you know what? I'm more of a workhorse than a politician, and I, I think that's why I've been taken out. She didn't. She did, she did have concerns. She wasn't. Um, she wasn't. No one phoned her up and spoke to her about it or consulted her beforehand. She was simply informed it's time to go. You know, imagine you, know, you go to work in the morning. Oh, you're worrying about. Oh, I'm five minutes late. You know, looking at the security camera scene. You know, you get in your office and you hope no one noticed that you're five minutes late. And you sit down and you kind of like, just going through emails quickly and thinking, you know, how am I going to be able to get um, answer to my emails and make myself a cup of coffee at the same time? And suddenly, padunk, ah, you must uh, vacate your office. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's time to go. Thank you very much for your work here. Yes, we know you're the boss, uh, but you've been fired. Well, well, it must be quite a shock, really. But anyway, uh, Breitenbach seems to have taken it into her stride. Uh, she hasn't been screaming and protesting all over the place. Hopefully she's been well paid. And she's been replaced by Sandra Kutsia. She's from the Development Bank of South Africa. Uh, and in fact, it was the Development Bank of South Africa that let the cat out of the bag. It wasn't the government that announced that Sandra Kutsia had been appointed to the IPP office. It was the Development Bank of South Africa that said, well, she's leaving. Uh, and they have to say why she's leaving, uh, because uh, she's uh, what, what position does she hold there? Uh, uh, she, uh, she's going to uh, she's only going to be an acting position until a permanent head is recruited. 
she's, she's been a head of strategy, combined assurance and risk at the office since 2013. Many years experience in executive leader positions in public and private sector. Uh, she's really been around, I must say, as managing director of a specialist consulting firm. She delivered over 40 projects in the capacity of legal transaction and regulatory expertise, also served clients across sub-Saharan Africa. Um, DBSA Chief Executive Patrick Glamini said she has a track record of cohesive, multidisciplinary teamwork, mentoring, and capacity building. In fact, she sounds like she's the ideal person for the job. Uh, hopefully, they'll make her the permanent one in the position. She also has apparently an acumen for corporate governance, compliance, and risk management. So hopefully, it's just an increase in competence happening here. Uh, but you've got to look at these things, you know. You've got to follow them closely. Uh, Pioneer Foods Chief Executive Tertius Carstens says he's confident uh, that Pepsi's uh, takeover of the uh, one of South Africa's major food producers is not going to have any uh, competition problems. I guess he would say so uh, because uh, Pepsi is offering a major premium. Uh, about 50 56% above the current uh, JSE share price at the moment. Uh, he's offering uh, 110 rands a share, or uh, 24 billion rands to take over Pioneer Foods. Uh, so he says, uh, according to Carstens, uh, from a theoretical point of view, there should be a little concern about these businesses coming together. But he says that the two companies are highly complementary with a little dupli- duplication. Pepsi consists of six divisions which manufacture and distribute snacks and beverages already available in South Africa, like Simba. Yeah, well, we know that Pepsi didn't invent Simba. Nick Naxley didn't invent Nick Nax either. Lays might have invented Lays. Doritos may have done that one as well. And I think it did invent Pepsi soft drinks, which has never been as good as Coca-Cola, has it? Um, no, it hasn't. Uh, unfortunately, that is the case. Uh, although, you know, I, I drink very little Coca-Cola, but if I have to drink a Coke, I'll, I'd rather take a Coke than a Pepsi, uh, simply because of the taste. And that being the case, because, of course, Coca-Cola is uh, is such a close friend of apartheid Israel. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit like, you know, I used to get my coffee from Woolworths. I used to go to the, 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 the Woolworths um, coffee shop at, um, what's that shopping mall there? I don't know, it's one of the shopping malls up in, uh, up in Santa when I used to work for MoneyWeb. Uh, I used to go and get, uh, go to the uh, the the Woolworths uh, coffee shop, and uh, I'd buy a 250 gram a bag of freshly ground coffee. Mmm, what a beautiful coffee that was! And then the boycott started, and I uh, had to stop going. And well, yeah, Coca Cola is a bit like that as well. Um, a few weeks ago, old uh, Bill O brought a well, you know, the young guys, the young guys, you know, young men are like uh, they're always wanting to drink coffee. I mean, uh, Coca Cola. And so they brought Coca-Cola in, and I had had a, had a glass. Uh, also during Ramadan, I had a glass. But uh, that's it. I mean, I hadn't drunk Coca. It, it struck me like for about, I don't know, three, four years, a long time. But I still say that Coca-Cola tastes better than Pepsi. Oh, I'm sorry to say, but there you go. Uh, yeah, the Competition Commission, when uh, preventing the takeover of uh, Murray and Roberts by the German company, Atun, I think it's a big mistake because... Uh, uh, I don't know. Marion Roberts is Marion Roberts going to fall into liquidation? Uh, our construction company is a major problems uh, in South Africa at the moment, and uh, 
So, yeah, maybe uh, the competition's call, competition commission's call of Murray and Roberts wasn't the best one for the country, but we'll see as the years go ahead. Uh, and Pioneer says that uh, uh, they reckon that uh, when the proposal for Pepsi's takeover is presented at a shareholder meeting in October, uh, it's going to be a done deal because most of the large shareholders are already saying uh, they're in favor of the takeover. However, the thing is, they need a 75% vote in favor of the shares. Uh, so that's uh, that's quite a tall ask. Um, uh, but nevertheless, they expect the deal to go through. It was like a 56% premium over over the market price. Well, you know, this is going to be very difficult for people to say no. Uh, Metropolitan Life, uh, sorry, Momentum Metropolitan has entered into a binding agreement to acquire Alexander Falls uh, insurance business, a short-term insurance business, not life insurance. And uh, they say that um, it's, uh, it's going to be very good for everyone. Uh, Alexander Forbes, uh, always remind people, uh, had to pay over billions of rands in fines because they'd been stealing pensioners' money uh, about 10 years ago has now been reintroduced into South Africa. It's quite amazing. You know, you would think they would at least rebrand it in some way or other. Uh, but no, they haven't done. Um, it's, uh, you know, relying on South Africans having no morality and very short memories. So anyway, Alexander Forbes is, um, has been sold to Momentum Life, uh, and they say that they like their IT sector, and uh, now they're going to go and uh, sell uh, all kinds of insurance to people. There you go. That's as far as I'm going to go with that. Uh, the state security agency has said the rollout of 5G in South Africa will not have any potential state security threats. Sure, that's like a clean bill of health being thrown to the whole kind of thing. Uh, in a reply to parliamentary question by AFP MP Russell Trebukulu, a minister of state security, Ayanda Dlodlo, said information shared with strategic investment partners would be governed by adequate existing laws and regulations. Does he really know what he's talking about? Dlodlo's answer did not say which partners she was referring to. Uh, the state security agency will be required to further verify and continuously monitor all hardware and software providing 5G services to detect potential threats and vulnerabilities vulnerabilities she said without providing further information as i say you know uh south africa is thought to favor uh, huawei in the rollout of 5g at a digital summit at gallagher convention in midrand early july we spoke about it on the show president sil ramaphosa stood up and said the u.s was jealous of the chinese company uh and i would agree that's basically what it comes down to the Chinese have got better technology than the Americans, and the Americans just cannot accept that. They cannot accept it. They cannot accept it. The luck so goes down to their little jingly, uh, sensitive bits, you know. Americans pride themselves on their technology and their software. And, of course, you know, it's been a narrative for the last 30 years out of the United States that Chinese has been selling our intellect, has been stealing our intellectual property. Now, after stealing all the intellectual property, now they're actually better at producing intellectual property and inventing intellectual property than the Americans are. And, of course, the Americans like to think themselves as the most clever nation on earth. And, of course, that's been clearly uh, underlined as a red flag uh, in these last years. I mean, most particularly uh, since George W. Bush took over. And we've just continued heading south. And with old um, Donald Trump at the helm nowadays, it's... It's like if you've added a weight balloon, a, a, a piece of lead to the balloon, while you're hoping it's going to rise and it's falling faster and faster. 
I'm afraid that's all we have time for for today. Jazakam Allah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today is profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.